This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Well, today we continue in our series called Building a Better Future. In these lessons, Pastor Rick shares how we can build a foundation for a better future by following the examples of leaders in the Bible who followed God's calling to rebuild after a time of captivity. Well, you've probably noticed the more grateful a person is, the happier they are. That's the power of gratitude, but it's not always easy to feel grateful. That's why Pastor Rick developed a great new resource called The Power of Gratitude. Go to PastorRick.com to find out more or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part two of a message called Making a Plan to Improve Your Life. Nehemiah says, you know, after four months, I get the opportunity to serve some wine to King Artaxerxes. And in verse one and two of Nehemiah two, it says, when King Artaxerxes was dining, I took the wine to him. Now, he had never seen me look so sad before. So he asked, why are you so sad? Your heart must be troubled. And Nehemiah says, that made me very afraid. Now, this is the moment Nehemiah is waiting for. He's been praying for an opportunity to present his idea to the king. He's got an opportunity now to state his case because he's been planning, he's been preparing, he's ready for the answer. But notice, he has a sad face. He has a burden he can't hide. He goes, I want to do this, but it's not opening up. I'm not getting the opportunity. He had a burden he couldn't hide. He's getting a little discouraged by now. It's been four months. God, aren't you going to do anything about this wall? I've been praying for the opportunity to go home and help restore and rebuild my my city. Finally, the king, king says, what's wrong, Nehemiah? And notice it says, Nehemiah says, I was afraid. He's literally scared to death. Why? Because in those days, listen, it was a capital crime to be sad before the king. Kings were very fickle in those days. They didn't want any downers around them. They didn't anybody want, want anybody raining on their parade. If you frowned in the presence of the king, you could get your head cut off. If you were depressed in the presence of the king, that was it. And notice it says, this is the first time I had ever appeared sad. He'd always been upbeat around his boss. It's a real gamble to show his true emotions. Not only that, Nehemiah is going to ask permission for a leave of absence. Now, in those days, if a king doesn't like your request, it means he doesn't like you. So no wonder Nehemiah is frightened. And on top of that, he's going to ask permission to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the king himself had said the walls could not be rebuilt. He'd said that earlier. So he's standing before a king who has the power of life and death. He's got a reason to be afraid. Here's the principle. If you're going to be used by God... You're going to have to move ahead in spite of your fear. All right. Leaders move ahead in spite of their fear. There's a myth that that people who are walking with the Lord are never afraid. That's nonsense. I've said many times that every major decision in Saddleback's 42 year history that I had to make, I was scared to death to do it. I just did it anyway because I was not going to let fear dominate me. We're going to do the right thing. Never let fear stop you. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of your fear. If you're not afraid, you don't need courage. You only have courage when you're scared to death and you do it anyway. 
Now, notice what Nehemiah did with his fears. He did two things. And when you start going after your plan that God gives you, it's going to be so big, it'll scare you to death. And you're, and so what do you do with your fear? Number one, first, he admitted his feelings. Verse three, he says, I was scared. <laughs> okay, he's admitting, I was scared. I was scared to death because I, I could lose my head making this request to the king. I could lose my head just being sad around the king. But he says, I replied. And here's what he replied. Long live the king. Good idea, Nehemiah. Start with a compliment. God live, long live the king. And then he says, why shouldn't I be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and all its gates have been burned down. Why should my face not look sad? The cities where my fairy fathers are buried lies in ruins. The gates have been destroyed by fire. He chooses his words very carefully. He, first, he assures the king of his loyalty. May the king live forever. Remember, this guy is also a bodyguard because he's like testing the wine so he can't get poisoned. If he's sad, maybe he also knows some assassination plot. The king's asking, why is my number one guy upset? So he admits his feelings. You're never going to get anywhere if you stuff your feelings. You got to admit what you're feeling. If you're discouraged, admit it. If you're sad, admit it. If you're grieving, admit it. That's how you grow. But the second thing he did is he prayed quickly before speaking. Now, this is the second time he prays. There are actually 11 prayers in the book of Nehemiah. And here's the second one. He prays, he prays before he meets the king, said, God, give me this opportunity to present my plan. And then when the king says, hey, what do you, what do you, what's the problem with you? He stops and he prays what I call a lightning prayer, where it's really one word, help, help me, Lord. Nehemiah 4, 2, he says, the king replied to me, well, what is it you want? And it says, then I prayed again to the God of heaven. Sometimes a prayer can just be one word, help. And the king says, what do you want? You're obviously upset. And Nehemiah again Praise the second time. Now, this isn't the four months of prayer he's already done. This is the quick prayer. It's the silent, quick, on-the-spot prayer. Uh, I got the opportunity. God, give me the wisdom. Help me to know what to do. Help me to know what to say right now. It's interesting that Nehemiah appeals to the Eastern respect for ancestors. He says, my father's graves are in ruin because Eastern guys were in to take care of their ancestors' graves. And the king's response was, what do you want? And that leads us to step four in establishing a life plan. Step four is this, establish a clear target. That's the next verse, verse five. Nehemiah 2.5, you establish a clear target. Nehemiah 2.5 says, after praying, I answered, if it pleases your majesty, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, then send me to the city in Judah, that's Jerusalem, where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Now notice, Nehemiah gets very specific here. He wants to establish a goal. He wants to rebuild the wall. He says, I want you to send me to my hometown. And he's very specific. I want to rebuild the wall. I want to rebuild the city. This is the next step in life planning. You set a goal. You got to have a target. You've all heard, if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it. So you ask yourself some, some simple questions. In the next year, what do I want to be? In the next year, what do I want to do? In the next year, what do I want to have? 
in the rest of my life? What do I want to be? What do I want to do? What do I want to have? These are the questions you have to ask in establishing a goal. Now, let me tell you something. I've done a lot of goal setting in my life, and there are two common errors that people make in goal setting. We set them too low, and we try to accomplish them too quickly. Most people set little teeny tiny goals and then try to do them immediately. I want to challenge you to set a big goal, so big you're bound to fail unless God bails you out, but spend the rest of your life going after it. That's what I did with Saddleback. You know, inch by inch, anything's a cinch. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You set big goals, you make big plans, so big that God has to bail you out. You let the size of your God determine the size of your goal. You see, God loves big planning. Why? It honors him. It honors God to be a big planner. It's what you're expecting God to do. And it's saying, God, I'm trusting you to help me to do this. This is what I want God to do in my life. So Nehemiah says, okay, I'll tell you what I want. I want to go rebuild a wall around the whole city of my hometown. Had he ever built a wall? No. Was he a builder? No. He's a wine steward. And he's going to go home and do a a rebuilding project for an entire city. He never built anything. He's a cupbearer. But he has a big goal. As I said, we set our goals too low and we try to accomplish them too quickly. So your first is to get the prayer behind you. Then you think it through and you prepare for the opportunity so that when God opens up the opportunity, you're ready for it. And then when it's there, you're ready to say what you need. You know, people say, well, you know, that guy has all the luck. He gets all the breaks. You know what I found? The more I plan and the more I prepare, the luckier I get. (laughs) Okay, It's not about luck. It's about preparation. The opportunities are always there all around you. You just have to be ready for them. You got to see them. How will you see them? by praying, by preparing, by waiting. And then you establish a goal. And then you come to the next step. Step five in life planning is this, set a deadline. Set a deadline. Nehemiah 2.6, then the king with the queen sitting beside him. Why, Why Nehemiah mentions that, I don't know. But maybe it's because she had a little impact or a little input on her husband. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will your work take? And when will you get back? This is a legitimate question. Yeah, I, I'm going to loan my top guy to go to a project. Now, the king was willing to send me, Nehemiah says, so underline this circlet, I set a time. That's the next step. Step five is set a deadline. A goal has to have a deadline. If your goal doesn't have a deadline, it's not a goal. This is the scheduling part of life planning. You know what you want to do, and then you know when you want to do it. You schedule it. You put it in your calendar, and you ask the question, how long is it going to take? Probably longer than you think. You know, Nehemiah 5.14, Nehemiah actually, it tells us, he actually came back to the Persian Empire 12 years later because he was popular with this king. King didn't want him to leave. And so the king says, how long are you going to be gone? You know, it showed that the king really did like Nehemiah. But why did Nehemiah throw in the queen is sitting beside him? My guess is she had an influence over the king's receptivity. Probably Nehemiah and the queen were pretty good friends. And he's the king right-hand man, and she's sitting there, and he's pouring the wine, and everybody's happy. And Nehemiah says, you know, I'd really like to go back home and rebuild the wall around my hometown where my father's graves are. And probably the queen said to her husband, honey, let him go. 
let him go. And maybe Nehemiah timed it this way, but God had a time in it and you have to have timing. Nehemiah establishes a deadline. He puts it on his calendar. Remember this, a dream without a deadline is just an empty wish. A dream without a deadline is just an empty wish. It won't go anywhere. Now here's the sixth step in life planning. Anticipate the barriers that I'll face. Anticipate the barriers that I'll face. Nehemiah 2, 7 and 8, he says, then I asked the king to give me, listen to this, because he's already thought through what the barriers are gonna be. Nehemiah says, then I asked the king to give me letters for the governors of all the territories west of the Euphrates River. That's stuff he's gonna have to travel through to get back to, to Israel. Give me letters of passage for the governors of the territories west of the Euphrates River, giving me safe travel to Judah. He says, I also asked for a letter to the keeper of the king's royal forest. Get this, instructing him to supply me with the timber that I would need to rebuild the gates of the city and the city walls. And by the way, for a house for me to live in. Now, he's already asked permission to go. Now he's asking for protection. And then he's asking for provision. He says, you know, if it pleases the king, give me these letters to these governors so I can have safe travel. It's about 800 to 1,000 miles journey between Iraq and Israel, and he's got to go through a lot of provinces. You didn't travel freely in those days. You had to go through proper procedures. You had to show your papers. And he goes, please give me the letters of authority so I'll have clear sailing so that when I get over there, there's no problem. I just need the traveling permits. So he's already thought through what he's gonna need. He's asked for permission, now he's asking for protection. This implied that he'd thought it out. Remember, he's asked, he's just been put on the spot. What do you want? Well, he'd already thought it through. If somebody asked you right now, what do you want in the next year of your life? Have you already thought it through? Or would you go, I don't know, I don't know what I want. It's a clear example planning. He's not just praying, he's not just preparing during those four months, he's planning for the opportunity so he knows to say what he needs. So the questions you wanna ask yourself in your own planning is when you're anticipating problems, ask some stuff like this. What could hold me back? What could hold me back? You're planning some goal, some project, some dream, ask yourself, why don't I have it already? What could hold me back? What are the problems, the potential problems? What are the barriers? What could go wrong? If anything could go wrong, <laughs> it probably will. Nehemiah, again, is thinking ahead in this life plan. He's already thought through what he wants. He's already thought ahead about where he wants to go. Now he's anticipating the problems. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. If you missed any part of this message, or if you'd like to find out more about Pastor Rick Warren and this ministry, just visit PastorRick.com, where you can listen online anytime. That's PastorRick with two R's in the middle, dot com. Be sure to sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional while you're there. Rick will be right back to close out our time today, but first... You've probably noticed the more grateful a person is, the happier they are. That's the power of gratitude. But it's not always easy to feel grateful. 
Here's Pastor Rick to tell you about an exciting new Bible study he created to help you practice daily gratitude. One of the things that God wants us to do, and he says it over and over in Scripture, is to practice gratitude. Did you know that gratitude is good for us? The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will is for you right now? It is that you learn gratitude in all circumstances. There's always something you can be thankful for. In fact, I've discovered, and I've read many reports, that experts have told us that gratitude is the healthiest human emotion. Did you know that gratitude makes you more resistant to stress? Did you know that gratitude makes you less susceptible to illness? Did you know that gratitude increases your overall happiness and satisfaction? That gratitude gives your life more meaning and significance? I don't know if you've ever noticed that the more grateful a person is, the happier they are. That's the power of gratitude. So I want you to live with the attitude of gratitude, the attitude of thankfulness. Now, I've put together a brand new Bible study called The Power of Gratitude. And in it, you'll find scriptures and teaching and exercises that'll help you develop the habit, cultivate the habit of gratitude. You'll discover how to stay in God's will, how to defeat discouragement, how to conquer complaining, how to reduce stress, and how to experience God's blessing through gratitude. Friends, I want to help you develop a deep and a profound attitude of gratitude. The world is craving people like this, and you will be able to experience all that God has for you. So today, when you partner with me by giving a gift, a financial gift to Daily Hope, to help us take the certain hope of Jesus to people all around the world, I'm going to have my team send you the power of gratitude Bible study. I just want to say thanks to you. I want to be grateful for you. You know, your support is essential for us taking the daily hope message of Jesus all around the world. So do that today. Send us a gift and let me send you a gift and you'll be grateful and so will we. God bless you. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy of this great resource. That's PastorRick.com or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. And thanks so very much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.